Hello and welcome to Luann's Land Podcast. Now, here's your host, award-winning country music artist, Luann Hunt. Typically, I click out of the ads that appear on the YouTube videos I watch, but one day an advertisement popped up on the screen that I was drawn to immediately. It was about an organization called Save the Storks. The charity is on a mission to help young pregnant women who are considering abortion connect with their unborn babies through free sonograms. In 2012, Joe and Ann Baker began launching mobile medical units in sprinter vans with state-of-the-art sonogram equipment to serve women who were thinking about having an abortion. By 2014, the Baker's organization had grown beyond their wildest dreams, and today, Save the Storks has over 40 vans in operation across the country. I'm very honored to have Victoria Robinson, Director of External Relations for Save the Storks, on the podcast. Along with being a pro-life advocate, Victoria also is a speaker, author, and former radio host who is best known for her shows, Real Talk with Victoria and The Mike and Victoria Show. I'm very interested in what Victoria has to say, and I'm sure all of you are, so let's welcome her to the show. Hello, Victoria. How are you on this beautiful day? Good morning, Leanna. I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you on here. I had seen your beautiful ad on YouTube, and I was just compelled to call you guys and have you on the podcast because I think what you're doing at Save the Storks is just amazing. Thank you so much. It was actually such a privilege and an honor for me to be involved in the video campaign. And we called it our Mother's Day campaign. And I think to date, it has over six, seven million views, or if not more. I haven't checked in a few weeks, but it's just taken off. People are loving it. They're learning a lot about Save the Storks, and, and um, we're just really excited about it. It's probably one of the best campaigns I believe Save the Storks has ever done. The thing that struck me when I was watching the ad was what a simple concept it is, but it's also so powerful. It is. That's a, that's a great point, and that's what I'm hearing a lot from people that are watching it. It's, it's really not, we're not about polarizing and getting out there and and arguing with people, we just want to share the truth that at Save the Source, we're about um, women and men and children, and we just want to make sure that they know that they have options, and whatever those options that they choose, that, that is, of course, ultimately their decision, but we just want to make sure that they understand that they have them. When you're in different cities, do you just park there and sort of wait for people to come to you, or how do you let these women know that you're available? Well, the, the affiliates that are partnered with us, the pregnancy resource centers across the country, they determine how they're going to operate their buses. There are many pregnancy resource centers that do park their stork buses in front of or in the vicinity of an abortion clinic. There is no high pressure. There is no guilt or condemnation. They are just there, maybe with bottles of water. They're outside of the bus. and. As women are about to walk in an abortion clinic, they inevitably will say, what is this free ultrasound? Um, and they'll just say, hey, we can give you a free ultrasound. We've got state of the art equipment inside. We have a nurse. We have a staff of, of a medical team, an RN, who, and it's all free if you're interested. And, and many times they're, they're interested. And four out of five times when a woman who's about to have an abortion or is considering abortion 
steps on a stork's global medical unit, she chooses not to go through with an abortion. That is just an amazing statistic. And it shows you how, you know, that concept of out of sight, out of mind is so true. Because if you just kind of see yourself as walking around with something growing inside of you, but you haven't really connected with it, I think it can be really difficult to see that as a person. But when you hear the heartbeat at the ultrasound and you see it's real, suddenly it's a whole different perception. It's hard to deny it, Leanne. You're absolutely right. It's hard to deny a heartbeat on a screen or when you see arms and legs moving around or this little tiny, tiny flicker of light of that child's heartbeat. And so, yes, it is. It's very difficult to deny it. I mean, think about it like this. I have four children, and many women I've spoken to who are mothers today and friends of mine, family, family members, even when you're pregnant and you're carrying a child that there's no question you're going to carry because you're excited about becoming a parent, you still can't, you don't have that concept that there's an actual baby inside your body growing. So think about that with women that are, are considering abortion. They haven't made that connection. Well, there's mothers that are wanting to go through with the pregnancy. They want to be mothers. And they also haven't made that connection at the beginning because they're they're not showing they're not feeling movement so it's 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 kind of the same thing really when you think about it so when you make that connection it's like my daughter my daughter is um one of my daughters i have four she is pregnant right now with her first child and she's 20 weeks and her little girl has started moving and she's told me on the phone it still hasn't kind of um you know dawned on you mommy there's a baby inside of my stomach and even though I'm feeling her moving around it's still like wait there's really a person inside of me so that's why an ultrasound is such a huge tool to use it's a window into the womb and you cannot deny or plead ignorance after you see that yeah and I've seen that part of the video where they show that one girl who's sees it and she just breaks down crying because it's such a powerful realization in that moment. Yeah, there's no denying a heartbeat. And I unfortunately uh, did go through with an abortion at six weeks pregnant and I never saw an ultrasound. I never heard a heartbeat. I wasn't, I was not ever given that option. Uh, so it was easy for me to think this is the best decision for me and it's what I need to do and et cetera, et cetera. You convince yourself of what you feel is best. And that not seeing that ultrasound, not hearing that heartbeat, it keeps you detached from what's really happening inside your body. Right. Yeah. Like I was saying, it's sort of like out of sight, out of mind. You're not, yeah. you're not connecting like we've been saying with this, but that's exactly right. to me, I just see it as when you do make that connection, the love is so powerful that it's going to override any urge to say abort it or ignore it or whatever, because suddenly you're going to go through hell or high water to bring this life into the world because of love. Yes, and you you want to protect your child. I mean, look at at animals how they protect their young. We're you know we're human beings that do the same thing come hell or high water. I mean, there's nothing I would not do for my four daughters, and there's nothing I would not do for my grandchildren. So 
So there, that mama bear kicks in if you see someone trying to harm your child. And it's just instinctual. So when you make that connection, yes, you're right. It's a lot more difficult. And I'm not saying that women who've had a, um, an ultrasound don't walk into abortion clinics because they do. But I can about guarantee it's a lot more difficult taking steps into that clinic than it was before they never saw an ultrasound. Yes, I could totally see that. Now, do these girls who decide to keep the baby, did they ask you for resources and things to help them? Well, that's the great partnership with the Pregnancy Resource Centers because we're able to tell them about getting help in their, at their local pregnancy resource centers. Now, these stork buses are ran by local PRCs. So it's easy for them to say, once the girl, let's say she walks in, she says, hey, I'm walking into this abortion clinic. I'm still on the fence, though. Can you give me this free ultrasound? They're going to need to know how far along I am anyway, because as we know, that determines the cost of the abortion. So they walk in on the bus, they get their ultrasound, they see their child, they say, okay, I can't do this. That's a baby. I can't do it. And they've made that connection. Well, what am I going to do, though? I don't have um, a di- diapers. I don't have the resources to get a crib or maternity clothing or even parent. I don't have a parent. My parents didn't raise me properly, so I don't even know what I'm doing. The pregnancy resource center there on the bus can immediately say, well, guess what? We have a center that we would love to make an appointment for you to come and get involved connect with us, and we're going to help you through the whole process with everything that you need for your pregnancy and then even post-pregnancy after you've given birth. That's what's great about our partnerships with our affiliates is that they're already doing that. They're already helping moms in need. Now they're able to help these new moms in need as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I guess it's it sounds strange to say because of technology and the way that we, we know about everything because of the Internet, but I imagine there's still girls out there that are lost in terms of where to go. There there are, and that's um, why I love the centers across the country doing their part to make sure that they're letting the people in their community know, hey, we're here, we're here. And, um, yeah, it's unfortunate because they're a nonprofit and they don't take any government assistance at all because there are too many rules and regulations would be dictated for what they can and can't say. And most PRCs, if not all across the country, are faith, um, or faith ministries. So they don't want to be told you can't share faith with these women. So they don't take government assistance, but they get all of their resources from churches and local um, businesses and local donors that believe in their cause and get behind them. So that they don't have the marketing dollars, is my point, to make sure that they're putting advertising over a lot of money. So it's a lot of word of mouth. It's a lot working with communities and, and your churches and your local businesses to make sure the word gets out. And that's where these executive directors are so important. And that probably when I was an executive director, of three different centers for about two decades. My biggest job was public relations, was always being out in the community, talking about who we are and what we do, going to as many uh, meetings in the community that I could, uh, different clubs like Rotary Clubs, Kiwanis, the Chamber events, just to talk, talk, talk about what we did and what we offer to get the word out. And even being in the schools, middle schools, high schools, 
letting students know in college campuses, hey, here we are, here's who we are, and here's how you can find us if you need us. Yeah, I think it takes a village, so to speak. It absolutely does. And so they're doing all they can to make sure people know who they are and where they are. And Safe Historics is doing their part as well. Do you ever run up against people who somehow get confused about what you're doing and think you're out there to champion the pro-life movement? Oh, sure. There's always going to be those who um, accuse us of this or accuse us of that. But you know what? We just keep doing our thing. And, and we, we, we try to lead with love, and we do. Love, compassion, and action. And that's what we're going to continue to do. And that's why I believe we have credibility in, in the workplace, in the marketplace, if you will, of, of what I hear a lot, Luann, is what I like about Save the Storks is you guys are not out there condemning. You're just out there helping. You're just out there letting people know, hey, we're here for you, and we'll help you in any way that we can. We are never going to judge or condemn you. That's really wonderful, because I do think that there is a stigma about this whole issue as far as you're either on this side of the fence or that side of the fence, and never the twain shall meet. You're right, and what I like to say a lot of times, personally, I'm not stating this is a in our mission statement as Save the Storks, but personally, I like to tell people, yes, I am pro-people. I'm about people. I'm about the mothers and the fathers and these babies that are all people, in my opinion. So that's who I'm about and helping them in any way that, we, that I can. I think if more people had that attitude, this whole issue would be a lot less intense it would be, and I think, though, that that's our job, and that's always been on my heart for two decades of changing the conversation about how we talk about this issue, changing the way we feel about this issue by looking at people, not trying to get in a fight on your side, my side, and you're right and I'm right, you're wrong, and or I'm right, and you're wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Because what does that get us? It gets us nowhere. And it's just as we stated in our in our campaign, it just polarizes things. It, it, all these fights on Facebook do nothing but um, fuel fire where we don't need to. So that's why I decided to come and work for Sorts was because they fought on the same lines that I do. We want to meet people where they are. We want to make sure people do know they have options. And we want to continue um, the call that we feel we've been called to, which is with love, with compassion, and with action. Like I said, such a simple concept. <laughs> it really is. People make it difficult. They really they, they just want to fight about something, but it's not that hard. No, and I notice our world is getting more and more combative, people against people. There's more division than I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's unfortunate, but I think that's where your people have to have civil conversations. And with mutual respect. You know, I, I had a conversation recently with someone who is pro-choice, and we were having dinner with some other friends, and he looked at me and said, so I, I know the kind of work you do, so do you judge me because I'm pro-choice? And I said, no. I said, that is your, that's your right to, to have how you want to feel. And I looked at him and said, I'm probably more pro-choice than you think. He said, what do you mean? I said, I believe women should know all their options. I don't think they should only be given one choice. And at some abortion clinics, they're only given one. I think they deserve the right to know all the options that are available to them so they can make a 
a very intelligent, wise decision for themselves. And that's all that I'm wanting to do. And, and he just looked at me and said, you have completely, after about a 30-minute conversation, you completely changed and shifted my paradigm as to how I viewed your side. Because I thought you were one of those people holding up dead, aborted babies, sticking them in the faces of women, saying you're a murderer, you're a horrible human being. But you don't do that at all. I said, actually, I'm going to step further. I won't even associate with those people. That is not who I am. I am a post-abortive woman. I know what I did, and I have had to come to a reconciliation with what I chose to do over 30 years ago. I don't need you sticking a, a dead baby in my face. That's going to do nothing to make me want to have a conversation with you. Right. And nobody does address the side of it that, like you're saying, where you've had to spend a lot of your years of life trying to reconcile that decision. Nobody ever talks about that. The aftermath for these women is devastating. It is devastating, and that's why we've got to talk about it. I, I uh, had dealt with so much shame, guilt, and regret for 13 years before I went through post-abortion counseling. And, and I, I didn't ask anyone about getting help because I didn't want to tell anyone what I'd done. I mean, we have millions and millions of women and men in this country who have are, are victims or who have chosen abortion. So, but they're not talking about it for fear of shame, for fear of being judged or isolated. And I was that person. Finally, it got to the point where I had to talk to someone about it because I was dying inside. And when I took that step of faith to talk about it with someone I trusted, I was able to get help, that the help that I desperately needed, and it changed my life. So that's why I want to see more men and women coming out talking about their abortion experiences and understanding that there is hope and help for you. Nobody is immune from getting the help. And, and even I'll, I'll say from accepting and um, obtaining God's forgiveness. I believe we serve, I serve a God that forgives for all sin, for anything we've ever done, including abortion. But there are a lot of post-abortive women and men out there who think God could never forgive me for that. So they're not talking about it. We've got to open the conversation up and we've got to have the dialogue so that these people can receive the help that they need instead of walking around the rest of their lives feeling the guilt and shame from a past abortion. I completely agree with that. There are consequences to that decision that are probably going to affect you for the rest of your life. But again, that's not something these pro-choice people ever talk about and you really don't necessarily hear the pro-life people talking about it either in defense of what they're trying to do so I think what you're saying needs to be said it's like look you know we're, we're concerned about these women right now in the immediate but long into the future as well hey, absolutely and and we are talking about it at Save the Storks we did a Father's Day campaign um, where I interviewed several men who were post-abortive. And let me tell you, it was difficult to find those men willing to share. Now, since the video came out, I've had more men reach out to me that want to share their stories on the next videos. But I'm telling you, it, it's hard. It's a hard subject to talk about. But I have been determined for 20 years um, to make sure women are heard and men are heard as well not just women. When I called Luann, the father of my aborted child, to tell him I'd written a book and that it was about to come out, to tell him that I was going to start speaking at churches nationwide 
and at different fundraising events sharing my story, I felt like I needed to tell him in case he heard about it because we had a lot of mutual friends still in common. This was 13 years later. As soon as he heard my voice on the phone, which we had not spoken in over a decade, he began to weep. And he said, I've been waiting for this call for so long to beg you for forgiveness, to tell you it has haunted me, the choice that we made, and I should have never made you do that. He told me he was in therapy dealing with it. And I was shocked, to be quite frank. I had used all those years to build this hatred for him because I blamed him for what I did. Because he, he said it had to be done, he talked me into it, and all I needed for him to say was, don't do it, let's have our baby. But he wasn't doing those things, so I was able to easily blame him. I finally did have to come to terms with realizing I had to take responsibility because no one put a gun to my head when I walked in that abortion clinic. But before I came to that, that decision to take responsibility through counseling, it was easier to blame him, to blame the abortion doctors, to blame the government, to blame Christians, to blame Rose B. Wade, everything but myself. But in that moment when he said, please forgive me, this has haunted me, I, in that instant, not only did I forgive him, it changed how I looked at post-abortive men. And it, it made me realize they're hurting too. It is not just about the women. Yeah, no one walks away unscathed, that's for sure. No, they don't. But we want to believe it's only a woman's issue, but it is not. Men deal with the ramifications of choosing abortion long after the abortion, just as much as women do. I'll tell you, what you guys are doing is so unbelievably awesome. And I hope that other organizations will take a cue from this and start opening up those conversations as well because this is something we desperately need in our society. You're absolutely right. And we at Save the Storks are going to continue doing our part. That's why they brought me on um, to be the voice and the spokesperson for Save the Storks. And I'm just privileged to do it. And um, we are all on the same page. we, We have a leadership meeting every week. And it is so encouraging because I can bring my ideas to the team. And it always has to do with us getting the word out and making sure the conversations are, sh- are changed and shifting the paradigm as to how people talk and view this issue. And everyone, without fail, is always on board and says, tell us what you need, Victoria. We're, on, we're in. And so I can tell you with full confidence that Joe Baker, the founder of Safe Storks, and the team at Save the Source, the core team, and myself and everyone else have a mission in front of us that we do not take lightly, and we're not going to stop until it's fulfilled. Again, I am just so impressed by what you're doing, and it's exciting. And I think when there's a lot of talk about overturning Roe versus Wade and this and that, this couldn't be at a better time. You're absolutely correct. With everything going on in, in, in our country today, and and the the Supreme Court decisions, everything, it all always comes back to this issue. And so it is something that we can't stick our heads in the sand anymore about. We not only need to be talking about it, but we also need to start talking openly about what happens post-abortion to these men and these women. 
um, because that's, I think, what's, what's been missing in the conversation is we don't want to talk about it because that way these young men and women who are coming up and considering abortion know all the facts because they're hearing it from people that have experienced it. So then they can maybe make even a better decision about maybe adoption is a way to go instead of abortion. I don't want to deal with what these people are saying they're dealing with decades later. Abortion is a permanent solution to a temporary problem that I truly believe is going to bring more problems than you even imagine after you leave that abortion clinic. And I just want people to to have all the facts and not be able to plead ignorance anymore. We have warning signs and, and warnings on cigarette packs, man. Uh, uh, we get warnings from our dentists when we go get a root canal, but yet there are not enough warnings for men and women as to what can happen to them if they choose abortion. And we've got to make sure that they are well-informed before making that decision. Well, I know that we're going to be doing everything we can to get the word out here in Southern California. You know, people are catching the vision with us with Save the Storks. They're understanding uh, our, our motto, love, compassion, and action. And we're not just seeing people that are pro-life. We're seeing people that are also pro-choice, who believe in our mission, are getting behind our mission and supporting it. And they're telling me the same things that you're telling me now. So that's exciting. I do see the conversation changing. And that is something that I'm very, very excited about. Seems like a no-brainer to me, really. It really does. It really does. I mean, like I said, I'm pro people. So with that being said, everybody has to have a right to know all the facts. Well, this has been enlightening, inspiring, and actually I'm really excited to put this podcast up online and, and have people hear this. And I'm sure that a lot of people in Southern California that may be going through this and trying to make that decision will reach out to you. And again, we're going to keep getting the word out. And I thank you so much today for being on the program. And keep us posted on what you're doing. Thank you, Lillian. I will, and I appreciate it. And if anyone listening wants to get in touch with me directly, they can email me at victoria at savethestorks.com. I'd love to hear from you. Listen to Luann's Land Podcast on Tuesdays from noon to 12.30 p.m. Pacific at luannslandpodcast.com or luannslandpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Follow the show on Facebook at Luann's Land Podcast and on Twitter at Luann's Land. All episodes will be archived for free on-demand streaming.